0: When I introduced myself earlier, I said my name is Ricky Powell. Actually, my my real name is Richard Edwin Powell. That was the name my mom gave me when I was born. November twenty fifth, 1967, Providence Hospital in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I was a month premature, weighed four pounds, nine ounces. I've since made up for that. And my mom started calling me Ricky uh, from the very beginning, and that has stuck. And no matter uh, how old I've become, everyone knows me as Ricky. In fact, if you call me asking for Richard, I assume I owe you money. That's how that works. <laughs> this is a bill collector. Or when my wife calls me Richard Edwin Powell, nothing good comes after that. But I'm grateful for my name. And it's hard to believe uh, that uh, so much time has passed. I now have kids who are no longer kids myself. My children are grown. Donna and I are blessed uh, to have three absolutely wonderful children. And I also celebrate her as the mom of our kids. We could not do what we do uh, without her, the rock of our home. So I'm so grateful for my wife. And as I think about how the time has passed by so quickly... I start asking myself questions, and I start evaluating my own life the older I get. I ask myself questions such as, is my life making a difference? Uh, Is there purpose to my life? Uh, Am I making a difference in someone else's life? And, And I don't know, maybe I'm not the only one who starts asking those kind of questions at pivotal moments or transitions in your life. Is my life making a difference? And if you haven't asked that question, you ought to. Because you see, we only have a certain number of days to live, and we are uncertain how many are left. None of us know the length of our days. And because of that, we should be intentional about making the best use of the time that we have to not only live lives that are good, but lives that are good influences on other people. In fact, uh, there was a quote I read many years ago by a guy named Philip Gully. And Philip Gully reminds us about how we only have a certain number of days and we're uncertain how many of those are. And, and I've shared this at, at funerals where he, he says, Death jogs our minds about what's most important, it separates wheat from chaff. Life isn't about money and big houses or fancy cars and titles. It's about family and friends and our relationship with God and whether we love. We can't fit all that on a tombstone, so we carve our names and the dates of our birth and death and hope that somewhere between those two dates, life was well lived. And I agree with him. That life's not about big houses or fancy cars or the plaudits of men. It's about family, friends, faith, and whether you've loved, loved God and loved other people. And because of that, I kind of summarize it for my own life. I summarize it to kind of help clarify things for me. I summarize it this way. A well-lived life loves Jesus and encourages others to love him too. And that's what I've dedicated my life to. That I want to live a well-lived life where I've, I've loved Jesus and through my influence, I've encouraged others to love him too. Now, I can't make other people love Jesus, but I like what one preacher said. You can't make somebody fall in love with Jesus, but you can arrange the date and let them meet and then let them handle it from there. And I've spent my life trying to help people love Jesus And I want not only that to be something I do through my my lips, you know, and the way I talk and what I say and how I share the faith of Jesus, but I want to do it also through my life. Because sometimes people can't hear what you say because they see how you live. And and people are tired of churchianity, as I call it. They're tired of organized religion. They're tired of, of people going through the motions, but it's not real. It's not genuine. It's fake, and it's a show, and it's about things that it shouldn't be about. And so I want to live a life that loves Jesus. And I want to live a life that encourages others to love Jesus. And maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you're saying, you know, I'm just uncomfortable with that second part. I'm okay with loving Jesus, but I'm uncomfortable encouraging others to love him. Seems a little pushy. It seems a little uh, intolerant. You know, shouldn't we just kind of live and let live? Well, I understand that, but Jesus is the one who's changed our lives And he's the one who is the answer to what we are facing. And he's the one who told us to go and share his love with others. And maybe you are not a follower of Jesus and you're saying, why is it you Christians are so intent on me knowing him and loving him? Well, it's because we believe that following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. That's what we believe, that following Jesus will make you better at life and it makes your life better. And out of love, we want you to come to know him. So today what I thought I would do is share with you four practical ways that you can can love Jesus and encourage others to love him too. And this applies to whether you're a mom or a dad, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a single parent, whether you uh, do not have a child or maybe uh, you are thinking about starting a family or you would love to but you're not able to, whether you're young or you're old, what we're going to talk about today applies to all of us. It it, it will help us all know how to live a life that loves Jesus and a life that encourages others to love him too. And so if you're interested in that, I want you to uh, take your Bibles and first of all, uh, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to be in the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. And Second Timothy is a letter. It's it's not really a book. It's a letter that we have copies of. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young pastor in the first century named Timothy. Uh, Paul and Timothy are dear friends. Uh, Paul is a mentor to Timothy. In fact, it was Paul who helped Timothy come to faith in Jesus. It's it's Paul who encouraged Timothy uh, to go into missionary work and ministry work and, and affirmed his call to be a pastor of a church. In fact, Paul even said, I want you to go and pastor the church in Ephesus. It's going through a lot of difficulties and a lot of dissension. And there's a lot of things that need to be put in order. And it's not going to be an easy assignment, but you can do it, Timothy. And Timothy's struggling and Timothy's feeling a little insecure in his, his calling and, and his authority as the pastor of this difficult church. And so Paul wants to encourage him. Some of you are familiar with this letter we call 2 Timothy because you've heard it quoted, parts of it at least, at funerals. You see, when Paul's writing this letter, he is actually sitting in a Roman prison cell knowing that the end of his life is near. Nero is the Roman emperor. Nero is persecuting Christians. Christians are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul knows unless the Lord intervenes, Nero will execute him as well. And eventually, that's what happened. So sometimes at funerals, you'll hear a pastor quote the Apostle Paul when he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. The time of my departure is at hand, but there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who love the appearing of Jesus. Paul knew time was short. He knew that his days were numbered. And as a result of that, he wanted to live a life that loved Jesus and he wanted to encourage others to love Jesus too. Particularly, he wanted to encourage Timothy. And the way that he helps Timothy is the way that we can be helped in living a life that encourages others to love Jesus. First of all, I'm going to ask you to encourage others to love Jesus through your sincere faith. Sincere faith. We see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says to him, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I am sure dwells also in you. Paul is commending Timothy for his sincere faith. That word sincere literally means genuine. It means uh, it's not hypocritical. That Timothy's faith was not just a Sunday kind of faith. His was a faith that committed itself to Jesus every day for every situation. That Jesus was first in Timothy's life. And Paul says, I am so glad that when I think of you, I think about your sincere, genuine, real faith faith. It is not just empty religion and ritualism. You're not just going through the motions on Sunday talking about Jesus, but then forgetting Jesus Monday through Saturday. No, you are living for Jesus every day. And I want to thank you, he says, for that sincere faith that you have. But notice Paul says, Timothy, that sincere faith you possess didn't start with you. It was inculcated, it was given to you, it was passed on to you, it was exemplified to you through your grandmother, Lois. She came to faith in Jesus as her savior, and she lived a life that loved Jesus in reality and sincerity, and she modeled that for you. And she not only loved Jesus, but your mother, Eunice, had a sincere faith. And she loved Jesus with all of her heart. In fact, your grandmother and your mother possessed that and they shared it with you. And now you should be grateful because I'm grateful for this sincere faith that dwells in you as well. Isn't that what the world needs a little more of today? They need to see followers of Jesus exhibiting sincere faith. Now listen, none of us in this room, none of us watching online will ever be able to exhibit perfect faith. If that is what you expect, well, I guess I'm a failure because I don't have perfect faith. I don't always live up to the standards of Jesus. I don't always live up to my own standards. I don't understand everything there is to know about Jesus. Sometimes I understand and I just don't live it. I don't have a perfect faith. I guess I'm a failure. No. A sincere faith is greater than a perfect faith. A perfect faith isn't real, not this side of heaven. We're all going to be struggling in this life. to to truly commit and live and surrender to Jesus. It's easy to sing, I surrender all. But honestly, I should be singing, Lord, I'll surrender the things I want to surrender. There's some other stuff I'm just scared to surrender to you. There's some stuff I'm worried about surrendering to you. There's some stuff I've surrendered, but I've taken it back, Lord. I don't have a perfect faith, even as your pastor. Don't say amen here, because this is a perfect time to say amen, but I wouldn't do that. I, I don't have a perfect faith. And neither do you. And and if you're a parent, your kids aren't looking for a perfect faith in you. They're looking for a sincere faith in you. Your kids need to see how you love Jesus in the good times and the hard times. How sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. But the overarching desire of your heart is you truly do love Jesus. And you truly do want to encourage them to love him. And sometimes the greatest lesson you'll ever teach your kid is not in your success, it's actually in your failure. Whenever you messed up and you say, folks, kids, don't do what I did, or learn from my mistake here, or, or they'll learn when you say, I, I'm sorry, I didn't get this right as your dad. I'm sorry, I didn't get this right as your mom or your grandma. So we encourage others to love Jesus through sincere faith. But secondly, we we ought to seek to encourage others to love Jesus through scriptural faith. Through scriptural faith. Because go over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and and look at verses 14 and 15. I'll, I'll put them up on the screen as well, these two verses. But Paul not only encouraged Timothy through a sincere faith, but also a scriptural faith. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3 verse 14, Paul writes, But as for you, continue... In what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Would it surprise you to know that sometimes even pastors get discouraged? Even pastors say, maybe I ought to quit and go sell chariots. That's what Timothy would have sold. But I'll, I'll go sell cars and, and, and they're, they're, I'll sell insurance. I'll, I'll go do something else. I was standing uh, with Donna at uh, Cracker Barrel yesterday checking out and I, I had to go to a funeral of one of our dear church members in Melbourne, Florida. And after the funeral, I'm standing there at the Cracker Barrel, and this guy walks up to me, and I'm wearing my, my slacks and my dress shirt and my tie. And he said, excuse me, sir, are you a salesman? <laughs> and I said, no, no, actually, I'm not. I'm a pastor. He says, so you are a salesman. <laughs> And I thought to myself, you know, there are days I wish I was a salesman. Just go go do something else. And Paul is writing to Timothy because Timothy is going through some difficulties being a pastor of this church. And he's thinking, I don't have what it takes. Maybe somebody else ought to be the pastor of this church. Maybe I should just go and do something else. And Paul says, no, 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 no. As for you, continue. Hang in there. Keep walking the walk. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And then he says, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul is saying, you know what you've learned about Jesus and you know what you've learned about God and you know what you've learned about the Bible through the godly influence of your grandmother and your mother and even me, the apostle Paul, your friend and your mentor. Don't forget what you've learned, but also don't forget from whom you've learned it. You didn't just learn this in some seminary class where they didn't really know you or care for you. You've learned these things from people who know you, love you, care for you. They've shared the truth with you. They've poured their heart into you. Don't walk away from that. And I'm going to say to some young people today, it is so hard, isn't it, in this culture to stand up for Jesus and to stand up for your faith in Christ. And it is easier at times to walk away from it But I'm going to encourage you, don't allow people who don't know you, who don't really care for you, who don't really love you, who have not poured into your life to steal from you every good thing that people who do know and love you have poured into you. Because when it's all said and done, it's your family and your friends and your pastor and your life group leaders who are going to be there in your corner Know what you believe, but know from whom you've believed it. Verse 15, and how from childhood, Paul says to Timothy, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. There it is, the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy's father, what little we know about him, was a Greek He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. But Timothy's grandmother and mother were Jews. They were Hebrews. And so they taught Timothy the sacred writings, as Paul puts it. Paul's referring to the Old Testament Scriptures. They taught him the Word of God from the Old Testament. And it was the Word of God that then Paul was able to come and help them connect the dots and say, See, all that the prophets said about the Messiah, have been fulfilled in Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the hope of the Old Testament. And through that, from a very early age, Timothy came to know the Scriptures that were able to make him wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus That you can be forgiven of your sin. You can be right with the Holy God. You can have the gift of eternal life. You don't have to be punished for your sin because Jesus, God's Son, God in flesh, took your punishment on the cross of Calvary. And he died, but he rose from the dead on the third day to prove he is who he says he is. And Paul was an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus. And he had helped Timothy come to faith in Jesus Christ. And parents, all we can do is help our kids or if if your kids are grown and gone or maybe you don't have kids, all we can do is partner together as the family of God, the church, and so live out and so teach the Scriptures that we can make people wise to salvation. Doesn't mean they're going to trust Jesus as Savior. Doesn't mean they're going to believe in Jesus as their Savior. But we can give them the wisdom they need to know so that they can be right with God. And can I tell you, sometimes people will make the statement, oh, you ought to preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Well, friend, words are always necessary. People aren't going to get saved in faith in Jesus through osmosis. And as good as your life might be as an example to someone else, it is not enough to make them wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus, because how are they going to know the gospel if they don't hear it from you? You've got to share the Word of God in the Scriptures and your personal experience with it. That's why one of my verses is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where Peter said that we are to sanctify the Lord Jesus in our hearts and we are to be ready to give an answer to anyone and everyone who asks us, why do you have hope? And in that moment, we're to be ready to tell them about Jesus. And one of the greatest privileges that you have is partnering together with us here in this church and helping pass the baton of faith through the scriptures to the younger generation that's coming behind us. In the next service, four families will stand on the stage and they will dedicate four little children that God has blessed their families with. And they'll dedicate themselves and their children to the Lord. But they're also saying, Church, we need you to be our extended family. And what are we going to do? We're going to help them and encourage them to love Jesus through a sincere faith and through a scriptural faith. But thirdly, through saving faith. Through saving faith. And we'll see that again in verse 15. Because he says, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, if you, if you succeed at everything, but you don't share your faith, you've missed one of the most important things Christ has called us to do. To help other people come to faith in Jesus Christ. To help them understand how much God loves them in spite of their sin and how Christ died for them on the cross and rose from the dead. And that is why if you come to our church, sometimes you may think that pastor's a broken record. And no matter what that guy preaches, he ends up with Jesus on a cross and buried and resurrected. And we need to turn from our sin and believe in him. Yep, that's intentional. I could be talking about underwater basket weaving and we're going to end up in how you need Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Because that is the only message that changes people's lives for eternity. For eternity. And listen, maybe you don't believe that. Maybe you think that's too far of a stretch to believe. But you have to admit, if we really believe it, if we really believe that's true, that Jesus is the difference between where a person will spend eternity, then the most loving thing we can do is to share his love with you. How cruel would we have to be To know that you're driving down a darkened road on a rainy night and the bridge you're about to cross is out, it is gone and you're about to go over into destruction. How cruel would we have to be to say, well, I don't want to intrude. Who am I to tell them how to drive? No, the most loving thing we could do is say, there's danger ahead. But here's a detour. Here's a safe way. And that's what we're doing when we tell people about Jesus. And that's what Lois did. That's what Eunice did. That's what Paul did for Timothy. And that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do in the church at Ephesus. Just keep preaching Jesus. You know what you've been taught. You know from whom you were taught it. Keep preaching the saving faith in Christ Jesus. And then finally, finally, encourage others to love Jesus too through sustaining faith. Sincere faith, scriptural faith, saving faith, but also sustaining faith. Faith that will see you through no matter what you're experiencing. Faith that will see you through no matter what you're going through. Sustaining faith. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Verse 16, Paul, he's continuing to talk about the scriptures. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, all scripture is breathed out by God. It didn't come just because the people sat down and tried to... What do we want to say about God? God was involved. God is the one who breathed out His Word through human authors to give us the Scriptures. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable. It's useful. It's helpful. The Word of God can help you in life. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He says, the scriptures are profitable for doctrine. Doctrine or teaching. Teaching from the scriptures help me to know and to believe what is right. Okay, there are all these opinions, but what does God say through the scriptures? The doctrine helps me to believe what is right. But then the Scriptures are good for reproof. In other words, the Scriptures help me to see when I'm not right. In fact, sometimes the reason people don't like hearing the Bible preached is not because they don't believe it. They just don't like what they're hearing. It convicts them. It reproves them. It says that attitude, those actions, they're not God-pleasing. And you need to stop that. We used to say in South Georgia, man, that preacher stepped on my toes. Have you ever heard that phrase? That, man, he was preaching about stuff that I'm dealing with. Well, no, the preacher never left the stage. It is the power of God's Holy Spirit through his word that is convicting you and reproving you, saying you believe what is right, but you're not doing it. Here's how you can see where you're not right. And then correction, thankfully, correction helps me to get right. I don't want to just have a toe step, done. I want to say, okay, what do I need to do differently? How can I stop repeating the past? And it's good for instruction. The Bible will help you stay right. It'll help you get right and to stay right. So what we've said today, and I think what Paul is saying, is that a well-lived life is a life that loves Jesus and encourages others to love him too. That was how Lois and Eunice And Paul dedicated their lives loving Jesus, encouraging others to love him too. And if you want to live a well-lived life, if you want to get to the end of your life one day and be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race that God set me out on. I have kept the faith. Then the way to do it is to love Jesus and encourage others to love him too. In fact, be someone who loves Jesus in someone else's life. Who is that in your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, who is it that you can be the someone who loves Jesus in their life? Is it your child? Is it your grandchild? Is it your spouse? Is it a friend? Is it a coworker? Is it a neighbor? Who is it? That you can be the someone who loves Jesus in someone else's life. In the next service, there will be a, a person here. The First time I met her was whenever I was asked to perform a funeral for her husband. Didn't know her family, didn't know her, didn't know her husband's family, didn't know the kids, didn't know the grandkids. They weren't church kind of people, but they needed a church when he was tragically killed. And of course, what does this church say whenever this community says, can you help us? We say yes. She'll be here today because I just saw her out on the front lawn. And she told me, she said, this church has changed my life. God brought me here in the darkest moment of my life. But he's changed my life through this church. We don't take credit for that. All we do is say, God, thank you for letting us love Jesus and letting us encourage others to love him too. Who's that someone in your life that you can be the someone who loves Jesus? Name that person and let them see your life and share the good news of Jesus with them. By the way, parents, I'm going to give you something that's very practical. If you have kids at home, you need to download what's called Parent Q on your smartphone or your tablet. It's a free app. And once you download Parent Q, uh, it'll ask you about, General information, you know, your, your kid's ages, for example, because the app is then tailored to that stage of life your child is in. If they're a, a brand new baby or if they're a toddler, or if they're in first grade or they're in fifth grade or they're already in high school, it will tailor the content that we teach here at church to help you keep that conversation going on in your home throughout the week. And it's called Parent Cue, C-U-E, because it cues you with little prompts that help you weave in. In loving Jesus and talking about Jesus with your kids in your daily routines. In fact, that app will tell you how many days you've got left until they graduate and leave home. But you've got this many days. You've got to make these days count. These days are going by quickly. I know it was um, Sandra Stanley who said, when you have a baby... <laughs> She said, the days are long, but the years are short. Isn't that the truth? Any parents here that kids are grown or getting almost grown? Those days with a baby and a child are long. But one day you look back and say, those years were short. Make time to be a person who loves Jesus and encourages others to love him too. I'm going to also ask you, will you partner with us here at Fort Caroline Baptist Church? and reaching out to that younger generation and helping them to love Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this reminder today that a well-lived life is a life that loves Jesus and encourages others to love him too. And I think all of us want to live that well-lived life. So thank you for these practical ways that we can do it. And Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your patience. None of us get this right perfectly. A lot of us have regrets and we wish we could go back and do some things differently. But we also thank you that you're a God of a second chance. We can start where we are in loving you and encouraging others to love you. And so would you help us wherever we are to recommit ourselves to you? And God, if there is someone in this room today or someone watching us online or listening who needs Jesus, I pray that today, if they haven't heard anything else, they will hear how much Jesus loves them. He loved them so much, he stretched out his arms for them, and he died willingly on the cross saying, God the Father, I will take their punishment for all the wrong they've ever done or ever will do in their life. Punish me. And when they put their confidence in me, forgive them and give them eternal life. And friend, maybe that's where you are today. I'm going to encourage you today before it's eternally too late. Don't put this off another moment. Right now, where you are in this room, online, listening, maybe you need to pull the car over. Right now, you need to talk to Jesus. And he'll hear you. Just say, dear Jesus, I admit to you I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. And I put my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior today. I put a stake in the ground. My faith is in Jesus, not my good works, not religion. I put my faith in Jesus because you're the one who died for me, rose for me. Now, Jesus, help me to learn more about you and help me to live for you. I want to live that well-lived life that loves Jesus and encourages others to love him too. Friend, we thank you for coming into the family of God through faith in Christ. Heavenly Father, you've heard these prayers. You know our hearts. And we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us to be the men and women, the boys and girls, the teenagers that you would have us to be as we leave this place today, committed to living a life that loves you, Jesus, and encourages others to love you too. And whatever next step we need to make, let us make it now and let us tell someone about that decision. In Christ's name we pray, amen.